and coming. And Holy Spirit. Grant us. Uh, I just want to carry on a little bit from what Jesus said last week uh, because I was involved in, uh, not involved, but I, I was reading some, some comments on Facebook. Uh, someone had put um, clips from the olden days, you know, like, it sounds really old now, but when Rodney Howard Brown was around and uh, there was a, there was a, Clips where you know where people were laughing and so on, and, and what what really surprised me was it shouldn't really surprise me, but there were so many so-called negative comments, you know, anything from this is the devil, this is demonic, and all sorts of things, and um, and I think one of the reasons for why people doing this is that that over over the years that without us knowing it that we had turned Christianity into become a philosophy, meaning it's some, some, like a mental thing. Uh, we had in the 90s, in the 2000s, we had a lot of seminars, Bible conferences, healing conferences, meaning that we have a lot of teaching. And teaching is good, but teaching is not for the purpose of knowledge. Teaching is for the purpose of revelation. Okay? And... Um, and, uh, and there's one thing that we have to understand, that being a Christian is a supernatural thing. You know, it starts with that you need to be born again. It's not about agreeing with the concept of the Bible, because I, I, roughly I think most people will agree with the Bible. I don't think many people will say, unless you're crazy, that Jesus is an evil person, so to speak. You know, I don't. I never heard about anyone who taught their children how to lie, how to steal. How, you know, this is so. Uh, and but Christianity is first and foremost a supernatural thing. You know, the Bible in in the Lord's Prayer it talks about that when when we ask Jesus how should we pray, and He says, "Let Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven," meaning that anything that is in heaven, the purpose of us being here is to bring the will of God to this earth. So that's why we can claim and we can, we can be bold about healing because we know there's no one sick in heaven. We can be bold about provision because there's no one poor in heaven and so on and so forth because of, we stand on the word, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when you and I in Corinthians, we, we, we talked about that we are the ambassadors of the kingdom. And it's something that, you know, when you, you had some saying that being an ambassador is not a representative. Being an, you know, like if you are the ambassador of the Philippines to the UK, you are the Philippines. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, it's not, you're not representing the Philippines. You are the Philippines. This is what an ambassador is. So like, when, you, when I go to the Danish embassy and get my Danish passport, the moment I walk through the door in London, I am under Danish jurisdiction. Do you understand? So let's say if you've seen, what, let's say something was illegal in England, but it was allowed in Denmark. If I did it in England and I ran into a Danish embassy, I couldn't be prosecuted by the, the English uh, police. Okay? Because of... And, 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 Embassy or an ambassador is not representative, it is. And so are you and I, that we are the kingdom. Okay? We are the kingdom of God. Remember when Jesus, when the disciples asked Jesus about, we want to see, we want to see you, Jesus. And when Jesus, he said this thing, unless a seed falls into the ground and die, can you imagine following Jesus? You ask him of something, and when he give gives you a crazy answer, you know, army, they want to see you. Uh, so army say, oh, unless the seed falls into the ground and die. Oh, okay, army, they want to see you. But what he was saying is that remember Jesus, he said, when they see me, they can only receive a father. And the question was, Jesus, they want to see you. 
But Jesus he said, when you see me, you see the Father. So what he actually did, he did actually answer the question because of what he was talking about was his death and resurrection. And now, as a result of that, you and I come. So when people want to see Jesus, it's actually you and me. Okay? Now, I'm not saying we are Jesus, but if you heard me say a few weeks ago, I said, we are not Christ, but we are in Christ. Meaning, we are one. You cannot separate it. And the same thing, so, so when you and I, we are, so our purpose is to bring the will of God to happen here on earth. Uh, and and the, the kingdom of God is a supernatural kingdom. It's not a, it's not about do's and don'ts. Uh, it's about that you have a relationship with the heavenly Father, and anything that is possible in heaven should be possible where you and I are. Amen. And it's so important that we we get that supernatural part back. And when I watched these uh, comments that came to it, it was that I, I believe every comment was sincere, but. It came from a point of, I don't understand it. And uh, we try to explain everything. But the thing is, but in the kingdom of God, it's not built upon understanding. It's built on faith. Okay? Uh, I, when I start out as a young preacher, I, when I taught at a Bible school, and, and I, I, I've had this brilliant sentence, I thought. I thought it was really brilliant. I said to people there, uh, when God speaks to you, he will always speak to you in a way you understand. You know, that sounds really good. Until when I became older, I realized when God speaks to me, he don't speak to me in a way I understand. Because my responsibility is to find out what does he mean. You know, that's so different from a kingdom and the world. A teacher in the world, a school teacher, their responsibility is that the students understand what the teacher says. Okay, but in the kingdom of God, because we have to say we are building on discipleship. We are, we call disciples. In the kingdom of God, is a responsibility of the disciple to understand what the master says. That's why that the word of God is the same in UK, in Africa, in Asia, in America, anywhere, because of it's our responsibility to understand what Jesus says. Do you understand that? If, if it was the other way around, then the word of God could mean different things in different regions. Do you understand? But in the kingdom of God, because it's our responsibility to understand what Jesus means, therefore the word of God is universal and means the same anywhere you go. So prosperity is not just in America. It can also happen in Africa or in Asia, anywhere in the world. Okay? Because of it's a universal word, okay. So anyway, but uh, so when I I got to um, to read about the early church, and you know, it's always good to go back to see what happened, what was the, what did Jesus, how did Jesus start out, and uh, because that is the blueprint for what he wanted, okay. And sometimes we can start out well. And then man can get involved and we, we, we change it into something that is not supposed to be the kingdom of God. That's very what, often what happens with denominations. That it starts out on a revelation, but then that revelation, instead of being a living movement, it becomes a static statue. Okay, The first church I got saved in, it used to be a powerful move of God in that church when it started with denomination. But the problem was that the people in the church, they still talked about what God did 70 years ago. Okay, uh, that church movement started by, I don't know if you remember, there was a couple at my birthday five years ago. It was actually his auntie, <clears throat> and she was a famous actress, actress in Denmark at the time. And then she got saved. And uh, so she was someone who didn't do anything halfway. She became completely radical. So she went to Wales you know, during the Welsh revival. And when she walked into that meeting, I mean, there was a, a, a person in that meeting, uh, I don't know what the name was, that doesn't really matter, but that man, he said to her, I, I, I know he prophesied to her and said, you know, I say that to you. She didn't even, he didn't even know her name, but he knew her name. I said to you, my servant, Bjarna, that's her, her name, I sent you back as an apostle to Denmark. 
and everywhere she went, churches just started up. You know, she sold everything, hired a, a, a no, at that time it was a horse carriage, and everywhere they stopped, a church started. Okay, and and uh, but now, 70, 80 years later, because they lived on the old stories, they forgot God always do something new. Okay, but in the early days, in uh, in where uh, I'm, I'm I'm going to uh, what I'm going to share with is, but, but it starts with revelation. When it will lead to manifestation, but it mustn't stop there. Okay, is uh, manifestation must lead to transformation. Do, do you understand? I think that's where the, you know it's not just about people falling in the spirit or people laughing and these things. That's that's a part of it, but it doesn't stop there. There, there has to be a manifestation. And if you remember in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, uh, 13, I'll just read it from you here. Acts chapter 2, 13, it says, This is on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit arrived. And uh, what is one of the amazing things about the Holy Spirit is that everything the Holy Spirit does is self-announcing. We do not need to advertise that this is the Holy Spirit because when God moves, everyone knows. It talked about in Jerusalem at the time, on the day of Pentecost, that there was like a mighty wind, a mighty sound. Everyone in Jerusalem knew something supernatural had happened. And we, we read about that, uh, that people could hear the gospel preached in their own language even. Now that's how the church in Rome, you know, when Paul, the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans, there was proselytes that was in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. You know, it wasn't the Apostle Paul who started the church in Rome, but they, the church in Rome was a result of the day of Pentecost. But anyway, so, and with, with anything after that, people, when they can't explain it, you know, we always, have you noticed, we sometimes be trying to reason things. Uh, first time I saw someone being healed, I was, you know, of course I can't understand it. I, I sat next to a boy with hearing aids and I could hear, you know, before the meeting started, he couldn't hear. And uh, I went suddenly in the meeting, he could take his hearing aids out and he could hear. And of course, first you get excited. And, and then, have you noticed that when we sometimes as human beings, we're trying to reason, we're trying to explain. And then through our reasoning, we can come up with all sorts of crazy solutions for, oh, maybe it wasn't perfectly healed, or maybe it wasn't this, that, and the other. And it's the same thing we do at the day of Pentecost, when we suddenly see the disciples there, they're speaking uh, with different languages, they're behaving in a quite a interesting way, okay? You know, but one of the things is that, uh, no, I didn't, uh, anyway, I'll just, so, so here, where is the reaction here? And now I have to be... So, no, verse 12, no, yeah. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? What, uh, all, see here, men looking for understanding, okay? And because we couldn't explain it, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. And basically, this is, and I think that they say these things because, they see something and they want to explain it. Okay? I think the many of times with God is that don't try to explain. Just trust. Amen? We, we, you know, we, 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 uh, the thing is that many people say, you know, if I understand it, I will follow God. No, the thing is, if we, that's how we live, we limit ourselves. Because if you and I have to understand when God leads us, God is limited by our understanding. Okay? But if we walk by trusting Him in His character, we can do what God says that we can do. Because of, like, a, um, you know, you can do, a, you know, you, you can meet any professional. You might not have any skills in that area whatsoever. But if you trust that person and do everything that person says to you at that exact moment, you can do at that moment what that person can do. Why? Because you build it on faith or on trust in Him. And that's the same thing that when you and I, when we talk about obedience, uh, it, it, I prefer to use the word trust, because obedience sounds like some negative thing where 
I'm obedient, meaning I don't really want to do it, but I do it because he's much more powerful than I am, and if I don't do it, he'll give me a slap. Okay? No, uh, obedience is that I trust him beyond my own understanding. So if God says I can do it, I can do it. We, in, in me and myself, might say, I can't do it, but if God says I can, I can. And this is where God wants us to move beyond what we understand. He wants us to be moved by faith in him. Okay? And someone said to me, that if, if what God asks you to do, if you can do it, he, he, he didn't need to tell you to do it. No, you should be able to do it yourself. Okay? But every time God asks you to do something, it will always move you into the zone where you have to trust him. Amen? Because Hebrews 11 talks about that without faith, you cannot please God. And it's about without having trust in God, you cannot please him. And really, any relationship we have, you can actually say the same. You cannot build a relationship with anyone if you don't have trust. And trust is something that we cannot put into a, a formula, something that you can explain. Some people you can trust, and some people you can't trust. Okay? Anyway, so they said, it, so instead of seeing that God was doing something, they said they were mocking it. They were mocking what they did not understand. And the reason for why they were mocking it is because they wanted God in a place where they could explain him, where they could understand him, and where they could be in control. Okay, This is what religion very often does. We, we explain everything so that all life goes out of it. But God is... The, the, the spirit life is that it built on trust. And it will look strange, it will look weird sometimes when God moves you. And, and can I explain it? And why does he do it? I do not know, but I know him. The first time, I remember when I became a born-again believer, I thought after a week, I thought, ah, oh, now I know everything. I read the Bible, I know everything. When Pastor Frank, he invited me to his father's, he had some kind of, something they called uh, this is a very long name, Full Gospel Businessmen's Association or so, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> and it was very charismatic. And so I thought I knew everything. And when this preacher there, he started operating in the word of knowledge. And I said, what, what, what's going on here? <laughs> Does he know them or whatever? And, not, and then after that, it was a little old man with a wooden cross and, you know, he, not, nothing significant from the natural. Him. Then he started praying for people. And they start falling around me. And I was what's going on here? Okay? And can I explain why people fall? No, I can't. And I, I, uh, we shouldn't try. But we could see God moved. There was a manifestation. And many of these people who experience manifestation also be transformed. Okay? Uh, later on, I was in a youth meeting, youth conference. And... Uh, and uh, at that time, it was very popular to have a, what we call a prayer tunnel, you know. So a lot of people were there when you walk through and pray. <coughs> and I remember in my, when I went through, there was a guy, and uh, he didn't know me, and I didn't know him, and whatever. And then he just said, while I was there, he said, I'm breaking the family curse over your life. And I'm telling you, it was just like I got flo uh, thrown through the room. And when I stood up afterwards, it was like I was 10 kilos lighter, okay? And, and, it's, and it's where we have to understand that our solutions, our transformations are not found in our intellect. It's found in our yielding. Now, the, the most important word in, in, uh, in trust is that you yield, that you surrender to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, your will, not my will. I don't understand why it's going this way or why it's going that way, but I trust you. Okay? If we try to explain everything for why do we do this and why do we do that and why do we do this, we can be ending up with, like these people, they start mocking and saying, no, this is not the Holy Spirit. They are just wrong. Okay? But it talks also about a little bit about their behavior. They probably looked wrong. They probably behaved wrong. Uh, they were probably out because they were out of character because they let go of control, okay. And but what they were, they were full of the Holy Spirit, and that's where the transformation lies in. It's not in the understanding, 
uh, many years ago I learned the lesson that I learned it in form of prosperity that the, when I got introduced to prosperity teaching that was a wrong time because that was where I was in need and every prosperity book I read was about give and it was not about and I didn't read these books for for giving I, I read these books for how do I receive and every book said give 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 and uh, and but the thing is that is that it, it, it's not even your understanding. I, so I learned that my my solution does not lie in the knowledge that I have. The solution lies in the relationship that I have with him. You know, remember uh, Proverbs where it talks about, there's a verse in Proverbs 22, 23, it talks about that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge or lack of vision. But if you read the amplified version of it, is that my, it says, my people are destroyed for the lack of redeeming revelation of Christ. So it, it doesn't, it's not so important how much intellectual knowledge you have of the Bible. What is important is, do you have a heart connection with Jesus? I don't know, remember when you got born again. I remember when I got born again, I didn't know anything in the Bible. Uh, and I just had to say Jesus, and it just happened. You know, it was like, if you ever want some, if you ever need a breakthrough, get someone born again and get them to pray for you because it's like their prayers is just like happens all the time. Okay. And at that time, I just, I could just say, Jesus, and it just happened. I remember when, uh, I, when I was a student, I had to walk five miles to the bus, the coast station with all my laundry. I used to go home once a month when I was a student with all my laundry so my mom could do the laundry. Okay, and it was quite heavy, and I said, Jesus, you said that you said angels to help me. And when I have not even fought that thought things. When my neighbor, he you know, he, he came in his car and said, Do you need a lift code? Okay, he didn't look like an angel, but but it was good enough. And I, I it was just like every little detail Jesus was interested in it. Can I explain it? No. But, can he, but I base it upon, he loves me. Amen. You know, the Bible says, cast your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. However, it, it, we don't need to reason to how he's going to do it. That is his responsibility. But we can just cast our cares upon him and he, because he cares. How he's going to do it, that's not our problem. And that's, have you remember when the devil plays with your mind? The devil always wants you to explain. Now, when you say God provides, what will the devil tell you? Ask you, how? How is he going to do it? How? Look, look at your bank account. Look at this and look at that and whatever. You don't have a, a billionaire friend or whatever. He wants to, the devil wants you to engage in an intellectual discussion. And the reason, uh, and and if we do that, what the devil really wants us to do, he wants us to drag us into his area in the natural. But where, if you stay in the word of God, where we say, I cast my burdens upon him because he cares, you stay in the spirit. And as long as you can stay in the spirit, you cannot be defeated. But the devil will try to manipulate you with your physical circumstances. It's the same thing with healing, that if, uh, <clears throat> if someone had prayed for you or and, so, uh, and after a while, suddenly you feel the symptoms again. Just don't fall into the trap. Just say, thank you, Jesus, by your stripes, I have been healed. And then the devil say, yeah, but what does your body say? No, no, by his stripes, I have been healed, First Peter 2.24. And no, remember again what I said to you, it's in past tense. We are not going to be healed. You were healed. Amen. You know, we don't stand in faith for healing. Why? Because if we stand in faith, that means we don't have it. Faith is to have a, receive a revelation to understand what I have already been granted. Just like when you got saved, you know, that really what you, when you got saved, you, you basically had a revelation of what was already available for you. And when you had a revelation, now you could take it. And it's the same thing with, 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 with your physical healing is that when you realize Jesus has already provided for you, now you can, instead of asking for it, 
you can say, thank you, by his stripes I have been healed. Amen. Yeah, Pastor Young Gachu, he shares about this woman that had a brain tumor. And when the Holy Spirit said to her about that, pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, what was a hundred times. And uh, she did that. She didn't understand why. And, and you have to understand that the power lies in that you trust the word you have been given when you're acting upon that. And when she came to, when she prayed it 99 times, nothing had happened. And the devil said to her, why are you carrying on? Is that working? And so on. But she carried on. And when she prayed it for the hundredth time, she got instantly healed. Okay? Where was the power? Because the devil was trying to force her into the natural, but she stayed in the spirit. And as long as she stayed in the spirit, the devil could not destroy her. Amen. It is so, but because of we we living we living in in the Western culture where we have this kind of a Hellenistic way of thinking, the Greek way of thinking, where we become where it becomes philosophical, but uh, so we're trying to explain things. No, we are not here to explain faith. We are here to show faith. Amen. It's an interesting thing about the Bible. The Bible is not a justification of the existence of God. Have you noticed that? God doesn't say, I am real. I, uh, verse, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God says, I am here. No, he doesn't say that. He just say, let there be light. He, it's not because either you can trust him or you don't. And this is where we are as believers. We don't need to preach to people about do this, do that, do that. Our job is introducing people to him. Now, what people do with that introduction, that's between them and Jesus, but we're not here to brainwash them. We're not here to force them to do things that they don't want to do. We're here to introduce them to a person, and then from that moment on, it's Jesus who have to do it. Spirit Wiggins would share about a woman <coughs> that uh, she came to him, and, uh, and uh, she had issues because her husband was an alcoholic, and she didn't. And, uh, and she said, "I tried everything, you know. I, I told him off, shouted at him, you know, done everything." And uh, when Spirit Wiggles would say, oh, "I'll just pray that he will see the devil," <laughs> and next evening, subtly. She, the, the wife, she heard a big scream for her husband. She said, what happened? And they said, the devil have just told me if I carry on like this, this is going to happen. And he never touched the bottle again. Okay? You know, but it was because of the revelation that made the transformation. Okay? We, we have all tried it. Uh, today I need to be more patient, more patient. And it takes two minutes we lose our temper. Uh, we, you know, like, today I'm going to fast and all we can think about is food. Uh, I don't know, this is me, okay? That no focus upon him. Don't focus upon what you should change because you cannot change anything. He can change you. Just like you and I, we can't change other people. We can't change ourselves. But what we can do, we can focus upon him and then he will change us. Remember, the Bible talks about it's the fruits of the spirit. It's not the fruits of Kurt. It's not Kurt who becomes patient. It's not Kurt who becomes endured. It's the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, so how does that work? It works by me seeking Him. So you might have lost your temper. You might have done something, have been impatient, and you might have done that. No, don't focus upon that. Focus upon Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus. You still love me. Thank you, Jesus. You still care for me. And you know, when you, the devil wants you to focus upon what you should do right, and implying that you should put it right. But you come to a point where you realize, I can't put these things right. I try to become more patient. I try to become more this and that. And, and all my trying falls short. Why? Because it's the fruits of the Spirit. And that's why in Matthew 6, 32 and 33, it's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Okay, it's not just provision, physical provision, it's everything. Okay, so the first thing is that, that, that happened on the day of, after the manifestation, so suddenly someone came and mocked it. And it will always be like that. Uh, William Booth, when he finished preaching, the late William Booth, he always asked someone, so did people get glad or did people get mad? 
I, because he said one, he had to have one of the responses. The worst response you can get is like, so how was it? It's okay. <laughs> it was like, okay, but, but the, the, this is really, there's no response. It doesn't move the heart. You know, but someone who gets so mad at you because you're a Christian, they're closer to the kingdom than you think. Sometimes we can think uh, they're so far away from the kingdom because they're swearing and doing all sorts of things. Every time I try to witness to them, they just become worse. No, they are actually closer to the kingdom than you think. Why? Because your witness stirs up something in them. The worst, like I was sitting in an airplane once and I testified to a man. You know, airplanes are a good place to testify if you sit sitting in the aisle seat. They can't get out. Okay, so. And I, I, I preached every sermon that I knew to him and so on. And then he said, my, my wife needs to hear this. It not touched his heart at all. Okay? It would have been better if he's gone so mad at me because of then you know something had been stirred. Okay? This is what Revelation talks about with Jesus to the church in Laodicea. He says, I have this against you that you are neither hot or cold, no lukewarm. Okay? No, like, but it should be like with the late William Booth. Did someone get glad or did someone get mad? Because then the gospel has an effect. Okay. Anyway, so uh, so so they start mocking it, and uh, so they are accused of being drunk. But the thing is that it it, it didn't stay with the manifestation. And, and I think this is where we have to challenge ourselves, is that yeah, the manifestation is wonderful, but it's not the end. Something, uh, the, uh, God's purpose of the manifestation is something else should be birthed, transformation. And, uh, and one of my favorite verses is in, in Acts chapter 4.13, uh, it says here, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. In the King James it says they could recognize that they had been with Jesus. And again, remember, we are, they were disciples of Jesus. They were, they were taught by being with him. They were taught through relationship. And it's like a, today we use the, 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 the phrase, the presence of God. And so it's not by the teachings of God, it's the presence of God that transforms you. Uh, I remember when Yen uh, used to do this uh, in her early days, she, she did six months where she was like an emergency doctor, you know, uh, driving around at nighttime with a chauffeur. And at that time, I could, Yen's language was like, every time she said something to me, she said, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Every, everything she said, you know what I mean? You know, and and there's never a sentence he have used before, but it was something that he had picked up from the driver. So you know, the, the driver every time he said, "You know what I mean," and you know what I mean, and then suddenly Jens picked it up, said, "You know what I mean," you know, and, and it was not like he was he was teaching her. You need to say that after every sentence. No, it was because of they were spending time together, and it's the same thing with with, <laughs> with Jesus that. It's when you spend time with him, he transforms you. You don't need to try to be transformed. It will happen all by itself because it's his presence that will transform you. Okay? You know, you heard me share many times about that when I got saved and the Danish language is about swearing. If you want to say something really important, you have to swear five times before you say it and five times afterwards. And, you know, that is not good when you become a Christian. You have to control your language. And the more I try to control it, the worse it becomes. Okay? Until what? Until I don't know why, but suddenly I forgot about it. Just got focused upon something else in the Lord. And then one day I, I ran my little toe into the corner of the, of the, of the, of the door. And I, what I was more amazed about was there was not a swear word coming out. Okay? Because that would have happened normally. And that's where I learned the transformation lies in focus upon him. Here with the early disciples, you remember, now we're still in Jerusalem here. They knew Peter as he was the one who cursed Jesus in public. He, he was scared of a little girl. So are you not the one? So on. 
they knew that the disciples, they all ran away when Jesus got crucified. And here I say, now when they saw their boldness, they, they, they saw there was a transformation. And I'm telling you, you can be taught 10,000 sermons about being bold. That doesn't make you bold. But you can have one revelation of that Jesus is with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Now you become bold. Amen. And this is what we realize uh, that the transformation did happen because they had been with him. So now these are the people who were, who were accused of being drunk on the day of Pentecost. You know, the manifestation where they behaved like drunk people because the Holy Spirit was upon them, uh, was filling them and so on. But now it didn't stay there. There was a transformation that happened that they suddenly became completely new creatures. They were now cowards became, uh, what is the opposite of cowards? Champions, uh, bold, those who were scared suddenly was uh, fearless. Why? Not because they they pulled themselves together, but because that the Holy Spirit, they had a fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and it's Him who transformed. I, I believe that what happens in the upper room, you know, it says that Jesus said to him, go to the upper room and wait. And I think one of the conversations in the upper room would be something like, uh, Peter and John and we, they say, you know, that they, they came to a point where uh, I denied him, I cursed him, I ran away from him. It was no longer a talk about who is the greatest among us or whatever. They just came to a point and said, you know what, if it wasn't for Jesus, we are nothing. And that's where they became one. It was not about who is the greatest among us. It was all about we have all fallen short. And, that, and as the Bible says, they became one because all of us, no matter who we are, no matter how charismatic or gifted or articulate, whatever uh, word you may add to it, we all fall short if it wasn't because of Jesus. Amen? It, it's so important we see we are. And that's where, when we're all in one, the Holy Spirit arrived. Okay? Anyway, so we saw they were with Jesus. We saw they were with Jesus. Many times I, I hear people, they... they, they they have a lot of intellectual knowledge of the Bible, but what I very often uh, are missing is they don't have the presence. They don't, you know, like they can speak a lot of things, uh, a lot of sermons is talking about Jesus, but we don't talk about Jesus as someone who knows him. You know, I can make a sermon about, uh, talk about any subject really, but it doesn't mean that I can do it. But Christianity is, we are just supposed to be witnesses for, with our own relationship. What you have, your experience with Jesus, no one can take it away from you. Okay? That's why the devil wants to discuss doctrines. That's why the devil wants to discuss conducts and things like that. Because he knows if he can get you in to talk about these things, he can twist and turn your thinking. But the thing is, he cannot steal away your own encounter with Jesus. Okay, when, when, I, when I got saved, and when I came to, uh, when I say, you know, in Denmark we have this thing where you could make a contract with the, the church, with tithing, and when that meant so you could get some uh, tax relief of the tithing thing, but you had to commit for 10 years or something like that. And uh, I, my old pastor at the time, he said, oh, no, no, this prosperity thing doesn't work. I, this uh, don't worry about the tithing thing. And I said to him, and I know I sounded a little bit arrogant, but that was because I was young and excited. Okay, I said to him, you're already too late because I have seen it work. Okay, and, we, uh, and that encounter, no one can take it away from you. My family, when I came home and said to them, I have met Jesus, they were just thinking, Oh, what's going on with him? Crazy guy. And they'll try to mock me. They'll try to reason with me. They'll try to argue with me. But the experience that I had with Jesus, no one could take it away. No matter how many doctrinal things, when, when, when I, when, you know, in Denmark, there's a big discussion, a theological discussion about baptism. Do you get baptized as a baby, as an orphan, or do you get baptized as a believer? Or so, you know, so. And, and uh, I come from a Lutheran church, uh, that's the state church, and the Lutherans in Denmark, they, they basically say to you, you can do any sin in the world, but not getting rebaptized. 
because Ephesians talks about there's one Lord and one baptism, so they call it being re-baptized, and there's no forgiveness for that. And then, so it, it's a big thing as a believer when you come from a Lutheran church and you say, I, I have met Jesus and I need to be baptized. And many people try to argue with me, try to reason with me, try to give me scriptures, so, but they could not take away the, 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 the revelation that Jesus had given me that first you come to faith and then you get baptized. Okay? Not just washing your forehead, but get immersed. Amen. And because no one can take that away from you. Once you have experienced healing, no one can ever tell you healing is not for today. Once you experience salvation, you can, no one can take it away. Once you've experienced their comfort and, and care and love from Jesus, no one can ever say to you, Jesus is not interested in you. Why? Because it's your life. And this is what the disciples experienced. That's what transformed them and that's what the people looked at Peter, <laughs> looked at John, and looked at the disciples and they say, now when they saw their boldness, so you have understand, they were surprised. How can they be so bold? Now they grew up in a society where the Sadducees and the Pharisees was very strong religious societies. You know, they, they, they basically had monopoly upon how and why and how do we serve God. And here come simple fishermen up and start preaching the word. Okay, and we say, who do they think they are? But they could see their boldness, and they were amazed about it because they had seen them as cowards just 40 days earlier. Okay, so they saw their boldness of Peter and John and realized they were uneducated and ordinary men. They were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. So they, came, they realized they had been with Jesus. They have been with Jesus. And that's all that matters. Have you been with Jesus? Because in there you find all the things that you need. In Denmark, they, they have, we have this, uh, if you go to Esbjerg, there's a fishing museum there. And when we are part of in the museum, there's a big sign. <coughs> so these fishermen, they're called the missionary fishers. And they were like... Uh, what can I say? So every Sunday, the moment it was Sunday, I know fishing at that time that uh, you could you could wait on on the sea for days for to wait for if a steam of fish were coming around. But if if a steam of fish came on a Sunday, they refused to put the nets down because this was a day that was focused upon the Lord. Okay and. And other people would laugh at him and say, stupid, you have waited for a week and now suddenly and you don't do it. But God owed no one anything. Okay? They became the most prosperous fishermen and Esbjerg at the time became the biggest fishing port in, in Western Europe at the time because these uh, missionary fishers, they were so prosperous. Okay? You know, we know the Bible says that it's the Lord who gives you strength to gain wealth. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes you rich. Amen. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes you rich. It's, if we, don't, don't kill yourself for every single penny. Okay? I'm not saying don't work. That's not what I'm saying. But always be aware it's the blessing of the Lord that makes me rich. We don't get what we deserve. We receive grace. Amen. Your, you know, the blessing of the Lord will make you wealthier than you can even imagine. So short term, sometimes it can look like you're losing out, but long term, you will gain. It's Psalm 84, so those who sow with tears, and, uh, they shall weep with joy. Okay? You know, uh, it's the same thing in Mark 4, it talks about that the kingdom of God is like a seed, is sown into the ground. And sometimes, short term, it looks like when we follow Jesus, we're losing out. But long term, you will gain. Okay, you know, time is the best um, witness to that God is faithful. Okay, we, we, when I look back over the years, I'm just amazed to see. I can't tell you for specific this, but it's just amazed to see how God sustains you. Amen. There are many people that 
what you're thinking, uh, you know, because sometimes you only see people here and now, but you're not seeing the process they've been through. But I can say, God always stay faithful. Amen. Timothy, in Timothy, it talks about that God <laughs> is faithful, that he will fulfill the purpose he has for each one of us. Okay. Now, this guy, you know, you're about the, you know, the container ships, mask, you know, the turkeys, you know, the, the star, the white star on its container ships. Uh, the, it must be the grandfather now. He was also a fisherman. And he got lost at sea. And, uh, and out there, he, he thought he was not going to come back. He thought he was going to die at sea. And then he said, he cried out to Jesus. And he said to Jesus, if you appear to me, I will serve you for the rest of my life. Okay. And that's where he saw this star on the, on the sky that led him back to, to safe haven. And that's why he put the star on this ship. And, uh, and the rest is history. You know, seek him first. Don't, and don't compare with people because, you know, have you noticed, we always think everyone else has a better life than we have. <laughs> we, we all, we, everyone have their own issues. Everyone has their own challenges and so on. But the devil always wants to make everyone else's life look far better than ours. So that, why don't you make a shortcut? Why don't you do this? No, stay true to him. Because that's what matters. Uh, when I was ordained to the ministry, there was a woman who said to me, that she said to me, remember Kurt, the only thing you can take with you from earth to heaven is your character. Just stay faithful to him. It might look like that someone prospering faster than you do, but not necessarily. But just stay in it, okay? So, but just stay close to him. So they could see that they had been with Jesus. They could see they had been. That's why we are disciples. Because discipleship is not about teaching you. It's about being in presence. You know, your own kids, uh, husband and wives, they start thinking and behaving the same way, reacting to the same situations, having the start, having the same set of values. You know, it's not something that you sit down and say, "Oh, now what do you think about this tick?" Or well, I don't think that. No, it's something that comes through presence, a fellowship, and that's the same with Jesus. The disciples here, they have walked and lived and eaten and slept in the presence of Jesus for three and a half years. They, they saw how he responded to the ill. His, they saw how he responded to the poor. He, they saw how he responded to the religious people and so on. And by, it was not that Jesus taught them, do, uh, do this and do this. No, they saw it. And that's why that when, in the book of Acts, really, you see, there's a lot of healings. There's a lot of miracles. Why was it like? Because of, that Jesus, they had seen Jesus perform these things. No, it's not really, Jesus doesn't really have a teaching about healing. He doesn't really have a teaching about, say, to his disciples, oh, no, now I'm going to teach you about healing. Now I'm going to teach you about deliverance. He just did it. And because they saw him deliver the demon possessed, he, they, they realized we can do the same. They saw him healing the sick. They, now they carried on because they realized we are disciples. We are supposed to be like him. And so are you and I today. Okay, so when you go to work, if you don't want to work overtime, just pray for more. Okay, I'm off now. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you just try. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so so uh, so so it's so it starts with revelation, and that's where the Holy Spirit. Remember what one of the things the Holy Spirit should do. To remind us of all the things that Jesus said, and 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 that's really revelation. It's not information. It's revelation, because as a you know, remember when G, uh, Peter, no, when Jesus asked Peter, what do people men say who I am? And then Peter say, yeah, some say, uh, some say you are uh, Elijah, some say you are this, that, and the other prophet, and so on. And then Jesus say. But who do you say that I am? And when Peter, he says, you are the son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? Flesh and blood have not shown you that, but only my father in heaven. 
but actually what he says, Simon Peter, he starts out saying Simon Peter. But after that, he says, but I say to you, Peter. Now he was not Simon Peter anymore. Simon was related to his earthly father, but now he was transformed because of revelation. So he said to him, but now I say to you, Peter. That's where revelation will always transform. Okay, information is not revelation. Okay, that's where sometimes people go wrong because they, say they can see something and say, oh wow, that's interesting. And they think this is revelation. No, <clears throat> that's, uh, uh, revelation will always transform. In the revelation, there is within it the power to transform. Okay, so, so, so that's where if you don't know what to pray, Read the prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 over your own life every single day. Know that the Holy Spirit may open your eyes. And I like the NIV version of it, that we may receive revelation so that we can know him better. Amen. So, so don't, whatever you worry about, whatever you're concerned about, don't focus upon it. Just get close to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I just want to know you. I just want to stay close to you. Uh, I know this, uh, this thing and that thing and that thing and this thing, but you have promised you will look after it. I don't know how to do it. You do it. That's your responsibility. That's why I called you Lord, because you are in charge. I'm not Lord. You are Lord, Jesus. You All I need to be concerned about is to stay close to you. And the way we stay close to him is through his word. Okay? And... Through, uh, through, through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, let's pray now. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, I ask for each and everyone here, may 